My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website, hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. guys, welcome. New year. Man, crazy. Uh, how many of you guys already have your New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Working on them? Got some resolutions? All right, cool. I uh, failed too many times, so I just stopped making resolutions. Uh, just, you know, set myself up for success, right? I don't want to set myself up for failure, so if you don't have any, you're set up for success. So at least you're not set up for failure, so... But uh, no, I'm kidding. Of course, um, I've got definitely some things that I would like to do better and see done better uh, in my personal life next year. Um, But uh, as always, I'm always curious about what the top New Year's resolutions are, though, in the country. Like, what is America wanting? Like, what what are their resolutions going to be? You guys really aren't going to be surprised by... Uh, any of these, but the top eight New Year's resolutions for 2024, according to USA Today. Number one, you could probably guess it. What do you think? It's exercise more. Yeah, exercise more. Weight loss is on. Weight loss is on the, the list. Number one, though, is exercise more. Number two is eat healthier. Number three is lose weight. Number four has to do with save more money. That's number four in the country, is to save more money. Number five, actually, this is pretty cool. Spend more time with family and friends. I think that was on the list last year, but I think it was down a little, a little ways. Uh, and then six, uh, spend less time on social media. That's probably on our list, right? Anybody have that on their list this year? It's like, oh, I think I want to spend a little less time on social media. No? Some of you guys? Yeah. So maybe some of you are like, I want to spend more time, actually. Um, Number seven, reduce stress on the job. That's on the list, but how do you do that, right? Because are you, I mean, maybe it's you that's causing the stress in your job. I have no idea, but it's like, isn't, anyways, I guess it's like power of positive thinking right there. Reduce stress on the job. Uh, Number eight, and the last one is uh, reduce spending on living expenses. I didn't see that one coming because I don't sit around and go, how can I make my bills lower? Because I'm not in control of that, right? Like, my, I, I mean, I wish I could call Con Ed and be like, hey, dude, I think you guys are charging way too much right now. Um, but you can't really do that. So uh, I don't know. But reduce spending on living expenses. I mean, rent is rent. Rent's going to go up. Like, that's, that's already what I'm thinking. So how in the world are you going to reduce spending on living expenses? But you do. But the thing I found interesting was that CBS did a poll asking what resolutions they would recommend for other people like in our country. If you, could, if you could tell other people in our country what, what should their New Year's resolution be, this is what uh, they said. And now you can see how conflicted our country is. Number one, take more time off. Okay? Number three is work harder. Yeah. Number two is spend less time online. Number four is get more online connections. I don't know. Like, I mean, things are, things are really confused um, in, our, in, our, in our society. But uh, that's what people would wish for other people, right? And so I don't know what to do with that. But I started thinking about that. And I was like, man, 
if I could, if I could give a New Year's resolution to our country, if I could give a New Year's resolution, let's just make it even smaller, to our church, all right? If I could say, what would I wish for you guys for your New Year's resolution? I would say, I wish um, that you all could grow closer to God this year. That's what I think my resolution would be for you guys, if I could. I would love to see every Christian really grow closer to God. I would I'd love to see every non-Christian grow, grow closer to God. But specifically our church, I would love to see our church grow closer to God. And I'm included in that. I want to see myself grow closer to God in 2024. That at the end of the year, you'd be able to say, I'm closer to God right now. Like one year from this moment, you'd be able to say, you know what, I'm closer to God right now than I was whenever I began the year. I would love for us all to be able to say that. Maybe even some of you could even say, I'm closer to God now than I've ever been before. I don't know. Maybe you guys have, have had a time in your life where you were closer to God and you kind of were like, ah, I kind of drifted a little bit. And so I'm just hoping you kind of get back to where that was, maybe even to that point or beyond. I don't know. But that's what I would love to see in our whole entire church is everybody getting closer to God. Somebody um, recently uh, said this, um, the, the reason they didn't like coming to our church. What is it? I wonder what it is. Are you guys ready for this? Okay. Um, somebody said the reason that they didn't uh, like coming to our church is because it felt more like a rule book and all we seem to talk about is what Christians need to do. They said what they want to hear more about is how to personally grow closer to God. It was like, I want, to, I want to hear more about how to personally grow closer to God. And, you know, and I love that. I love the heart behind that is what I love because um, there's a reality coming soon to that. But I love the heart behind that because I love, I love that somebody is like, I just want to be closer to God. I'm for whoever says that, I am for you. But somehow, um, they've divorced those two things from each other in their minds. And, and what's interesting is, is oftentimes people separate rules that you find in Scripture in closeness with God. And they're like, you got the rule part over here, and you got the closeness to God part over on this side. But all along, they actually go hand in hand. That actually go very closely together. That you won't actually be as close to God unless you know more rules, unless you follow more rules. You actually won't be nearer to God. And so, you know, um, I, this verse right here, Isaiah 59, 2. Because I know some people are like, man, we talk about sin. We talk about what we shouldn't do. We talk about the things that we should do. And that can seem like a bunch of rules, right? Um, but, but as I always try to emphasize, those rules actually are things that God has given us because he loves us. Not because he's trying to like kill the party. It's because he loves us and he wants us to have a life of abundance here and now. And so he's like, hey, I want to give you some of these things. But Isaiah 59 two says this, but your sins have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Do you, do you see what he's saying there? Your sins have separated you from God, from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Now, our sin separates us from God in two ways. Number one, eternally. All right, we all know that. 
Like our sin separates us from God eternally. Like we, we will not be able to have heaven. Um, you know, we won't be close to God at all for all of eternity unless we put our faith and trust in Christ who took our sin upon himself, right? And who gave us his righteousness in return. But not only does our sin separate us from God eternally, our sin also separates us from God temporally. So what do I mean by that? I mean that, yeah, once we're, once we're saved, like once we put our faith and trust in Christ, everything's good. Like our eternity is secure. We will be united with God one day, okay? But while we're still here on this earth, there's a possibility for us to be close to God and there's a possibility for us to still be a little bit distant from God. And, and so what defines between the, the closeness with God, what's the difference between being close with God and being kind of distant from God? Well, it still continues to be sin in our lives. And that still continues to distance us from him. It puts a wedge between our relationship and our fellowship with God. So if sin separates us from God, the opposite of that must be true as well, right? Not sinning will bring us closer to God. And in order to not sin, we must first know his rules, his laws. That's the only way that we're going to know how not to. And so my job as your pastor is to comb through these scriptures with you and teach you to obey all that's written in it, right? That's what Jesus told his disciples after the resurrection, right before he ascended into heaven. That's what he told his disciples was, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what? teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. So that's part of being close to God is teaching everyone to obey the Lord and his commands. So when we come to church, what you're going to hear is how we can together rid ourselves of the sin that separates us from God in the here and in the eternal as well, so that we can grow closer to God. So exercise, um, it's a great goal, right? That's our New Year's resolution sometimes, and it's a great goal. And if that's your goal, do it. If you want to get healthier this year, 100% do it. I'm for you. Go and do it. Weight loss, I'm 100% for you. Awesome. But here's something that I want to remind us of, um, and it's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and uh, through 8, and it says this. Train yourself for godliness, all right? For while bodily training is of some value, and it is, bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, okay, so for the here and now, and also for the life to come. So that's the eternal as well. So he's got the eternal and the temporal right there. So what is godliness? Because that's what it's saying we need to do. Godliness is what we need to train for, and it's valuable in every way. Well, it just means more like God. That's what godliness is. More like God. Our fleshly example of godliness is who? Jesus, right? That's our, flesh, that's our, our fleshly example is, is Jesus, because he is God in the flesh. So what I want us to talk about today is how can we grow closer to God? And it's really, 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 really simple. And, uh, and I know that, like, man, it's so funny because whenever you, whenever you come to church, it's like, man, I want to hear, like, these deep theological things. And then there are some things that you hear all the time that are so basic, but you can't get deeper than these things because of what they produce in your life. 
And there are things you've heard before, but there are things that we're going to talk about just as we begin our new year that maybe we need to focus in on. Maybe we need to be reminded of. But as you want to grow closer to God, if you want to grow closer to God, then here are three things that you need to do. And I kind of made them rhyme. Read, pray, and obey. That's it. It's that simple. Read, pray, and obey. And so let's just break it down uh, really quick tonight. Um, that first part, read. What are we talking about? The word, right? There are a lot of people today um, who equate closeness with God with some kind of supernatural kind of experience. You know what I'm talking about? Like people are like, I want to feel, I want to feel close to God. Like I want to, I want, I want something to happen to where I could just hear God speak. Uh, if I could just experience like a miracle or if I could just feel some type of emotion like during worship, AKA feel his presence. Do you guys hear that sometimes? Like, I just want to, I just want to feel his presence, right? Well, I want to submit to you today that we have something even greater than experience. We have the word of God. Something greater than, oh, I just want to feel God move. I just want to feel this. We have something even better, and it's the Word of God. And I'll, sh I'll show you from, actually, the Apostle Peter in, in 2 Peter 1. I'll re read it in just a second. But think about it for a second. Peter was a guy who, it was Peter, James, and John, right? Those were your three, like, closest people to Jesus. They go up on this mountain, and they, it's the Mount of Transfiguration. That's where Jesus is actually transformed. His face shines as bright as the sun and his clothes are as bright as a light. And you've got Peter who's up on this mountain and this is what he experiences, okay? Like I, I would love to experience something like that. I think it would be awesome if we got to experience something like that. But Peter experiences this. Not only that, Moses and Elijah show up and they start having a conversation and Peter and James and John are just like, whoa, like this is crazy. Like this is the experience that they are having in that moment. Yet I want us to look at what Peter says in second Peter, whenever he's talking to some persecuted believers, here's what he says in verse 17. He says, for when he received honor and glory from God, the father, he's talking about Jesus and the voice was born to him. He's talking about this moment that he was on the mountain. The voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is what God said in front of Peter, in front of James, in front of John. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Like when he was on the mountain, those are the words that he heard God say about Jesus. So not only are Moses and Elijah there, not only is Jesus glowing, right? Like they, he hears God audibly. This is my son, my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. But look what he says. He says, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. If you read that, it's like, what does that exactly mean? Well, the Greek word order here is, and we have more sure the prophetic word. What does that mean? That we have more sure the prophetic word? Because what is the prophetic word? It's the word of God, right? The, the word of God, which is written down for us. For us today, it's the Bible. What's he saying? He's basically saying this. If you want to experience God, there is no greater experience than opening up the pages and reading what God has revealed about himself and his desires. Like, like Peter is saying, more than the experience that I had on that mountain is the prophetic word of God. 
That's awesome. Like if we could trade Peter places and Peter, and because sometimes we think that, right? Sometimes like, man, I would just love to be Peter. And I would have loved to have been up on that mountain. I think if I could stand in front of Peter right now, he would look at me and go, are you crazy? You have the full, you have the all of scripture. You have the entire canon of the scriptures. I did not even have that. You're saying that you wanted to see this happen on a mountain. I wish that I could have had all of the scriptures that you have. Because more, author more authoritative are those scriptures, more real, more experiencing God is found throughout the pages of scripture than in one miracle moment that we're praying for that we'll probably forget about, honestly. Then one moment during worship where we feel the presence of God. I don't know what brings on that emotion, but more than that is every time you get the opportunity to open up your Bible, look into it and to read it and to see what God says about himself to see all the things that he's revealed about himself. This is such a gift to us that we have. And, and it's, it's the main way, the main way that any of us are ever going to grow closer to God is through that. Because look what he says in 2 Peter, how he finishes. He says, to which, because he says the prophetic word more fully, fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. What an awesome thing that the word is for us. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. If you want to grow closer to God, there's no greater way than listen, listening to God speak. And there's no greater and more reliable way to hear him speak than through his word. Don't, don't, don't wait for a prophetic word. There are people out there that are like, man, I just want to speak a prophetic word over your life. Mm, as soon as somebody says that to me, I'm like, I'll just go to the prophetic word, which is the Bible. Like if you're not about to say scripture to me right now, then I really don't want to hear it because that's where it is. That's where his prophetic word lies. And, and guys, seriously, if somebody comes up and says, I have a prophetic word from the Lord, then what we need to do is open our Bibles and start adding things to it. Because, our, I mean, right? If somebody's speaking for God, if he's continuing to speak through people like that, then we need to start adding it to our Bible because it's the word of God. Uh, be careful with stuff like that. You got to be careful. Open up your Bible. That's where you want to hear. Now, one thing I do want to say is, um, yeah, so what, what did you just learn at church? Read your Bible. Yeah, that's what you came here to learn. Read your Bible. Like you we're going to hear anything else, right? But here's the thing. I want to give you guys some practical um, advice whenever you read your Bible. A lot of times we don't know where to start. You're like, man, I got this. I want to grow closer to God. I want to read more, right? A lot of times we don't really know where to start. I mean, I would almost say you can pretty much like what's interesting to you. What, what, have you, what are you wondering about? Like what kind of, what kind of things in the Bible do you do? You, want to read about, right? That can be one place to start. You, I almost said you could start at like any book of the Bible and just start reading. But if you open up your Bible and are like, Leviticus, let's start there. Like I probably wouldn't do that. But if you are curious about where to start, I would, I can't tell you right now, like there's a blanket place to start because I think it's different for each person. So if you are wondering like, where can I start? I want to read my Bible more next year. Where can I start? I would love to be able just to have a conversation with you. Let's figure that out. Let's figure out where, where would be a great place. Let's figure out what's going on with your life right now. Where would be a good place uh, for you to start? Here's another thing. A lot of people like to bite off a big chunk and they're like, I'm going to read the entire Bible in a year. I love that. If you want to read the entire Bible in a year, you go for it. I've done that before. Um, it's a lot of reading. Uh, but it's, it's awesome because you get this really good overview of the Bible. I do want to say this though, be careful with that because 
you can actually read a lot without retaining a lot, okay? So here's what I want to say. No matter what you do, if you want to read the Bible in a year, whether you read three chapters a day or you read three verses a day, here's what I would recommend. Sit with the scripture, at least for five minutes. Whatever it is that you just read, sit with it for a moment. Meditate on it for a moment. I don't mean weird I mean, be weird and meditate on things. I mean, like, just sit and consider what it is that you've read for a little while. Maybe even look through each word and just go, man, what is, what is God saying? Maybe read a commentary, if you have a commentary. Maybe pray through that scripture like we did earlier in 2 Corinthians. That's such a great way to sit and to meditate on that scripture. If you'll spend just five minutes meditating on that scripture, that will do more good for you than reading three chapters and almost forgetting about what you read. That, that's what my recommendation to you guys would be, is quality over quantity, all right? Quality over quantity. And the reason I start with the word is because it is the foundation to the other two. Whenever we said read, pray, and obey, reading is the foundation to praying and obeying because how do we know what or how to pray? Well, his word informs us on that. How do we know how to obey? Well, we won't know unless we open his word and read it for ourselves. All right, so that's why we start with read. So let's look at the second one, pray. Um, when you read, you'll notice a common thing among everybody who has a close relationship with God. They talk to him. It's kind of cool. Everybody that has a close relationship with God are people who talk to God. They spend a lot of time in prayer. Jesus even spent a lot of time in prayer. And we've been talking about prayer a lot lately. Uh, ever since we came back from our church retreat, we've been talking about prayer and, uh, and putting a major emphasis on that. And so now we have a prayer emphasis every single month. But I want to give you a few things to pray that I think will bring you closer to God. Here's a few things to pray that will bring you closer to God. Number one, confession and repentance. Confession and repentance. Listen to this. If sin is a barrier, like we read earlier, if sin is a barrier to a close relationship with God, confession and repentance is the battering ram to that barrier. Okay? If sin is, is blocking us, then confession is that battering ram to that barrier. It will knock it down. How many of you guys have ever been in, I don't know, just maybe just a season of, of falling into temptation over and over again? It's just like, man, you just seem to be kind of in this cycle and you're not, and you're, you kind of can't break it. Well, what does that do to your relationship with God? You don't find yourselves praying very much. Why? Because you're embarrassed. Because you know that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And so, you know, God is like, quit it. And you've been ignoring that so long. Well, now it kind of puts that distance between you and God. That's what I'm saying. Like, sin continually puts a separation between us and God. It distances us from God. Not eternally if we're saved, but it does distance us from God. So how do we break that barrier? Man, it's just going to God and saying, okay, look, I need to confess this to you guys. Like, I already knew. But it doesn't matter. Because it's, it, it means something for you to say it out loud to him, acknowledge it, own it, fess up to it, and say, I'm sorry. That's, that's the first thing that I think uh, will bring us closer to God is whenever we're reading in the scriptures, we come across them. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I was saved, I didn't become perfect. Anybody else? 
Yeah. Like we don't become perfect the moment that we're saved. What happens the moment that we're saved is, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, a process called sanctification. It's becoming more like Jesus. What does that mean? It means that as you're reading in scripture and you see these things that say, don't do this, and you see the things that say, do this, this doesn't please the Lord, this does please the Lord, as you read those things, and, and the Bible says it's like a mirror, right? Like that, that whenever you open it up, and you read it, and you look at it, you're staring at it, and it's showing back at you whether you have unrighteous actions or righteous actions, and whenever you stare into that mirror, that mirror is showing you, hey, this is what you need to change, hey, this is a sin in your life, and in those moments, what we need to develop in our hearts is a, is a moment to go, God, I see that. Not, not a moment to go, oh, I wonder if I could justify it in any way so that I can keep doing it. But in those moments, go, God, I'm sorry. Like, I need to confess this. I need to repent from this in, in this moment. Um, those, that's kind of one thing that we need to get a habit of doing is just confessing sin and, and turning from that, fessing up and apologizing. Uh, Another thing, number two, thanksgiving. I think uh, praying prayers of thanks will bring you closer to God. And, and really, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this because we've been talking about this specifically as we've been going through um, Ephesians and Colossians. Um, but we saw a lot in those books that they focus heavily on give thanks to God and give thanks to God and give thanks to God, thanking God in all circumstances and all things, right? And, uh, and by the way, our uh, prayer focus for January is going to be growing closer to God. That's what our prayer focus is going to be for January. But not, I want you to pray it for yourselves, and I want you to pray it for us as a church. But that's what we're going to focus on um, in January. But, but we've seen over the course, all the time, they're saying, they're saying, be grateful, be grateful. Because I believe this, and, and Scripture teaches this, a heart that is close to God is a thankful heart. All right? I think it's very difficult to be close to God if you have an ungrateful heart. So have a grateful heart. Number three is then pray requests and needs. I, a lot of times, I don't know about you guys, but, but do you guys ever feel like, ah, I don't want to bother God with that? You guys ever think that sometimes? You know, like you can't handle it or you don't want to, you know, bother him because he's too busy? Like, what do we, why do we think that sometimes? Or maybe it's just too small. I can take care of it myself, right? God wants to hear from us. He really does. Like whenever my kids come to me and they're like, hey, I need to talk to you. I'm not like, is it important? I mean, is it going to be something that's worth my time? Right? You don't say that. I mean, why, who would say that? Man, that's not, that's not how God is either. He wants to hear from you. What do you need? Right? He, he says it all the time. He says he wants to hear your request and not even just to ask, but to keep knocking, like to, to beg, so to say. And to keep asking God and to continually come to him and bug him about it. I mean, you, you, you talk to your closest friends, right, about the things that are bothering you. Do the same with God. So in prayer, those three things, confession and repentance, thanksgiving, requests and needs. One thing I didn't put down was praying through the scriptures, um, but we've, we've talked about that. But that, that's, those are amazing things that I think will bring you closer to God. And remember, uh, pray without ceasing. Don't hang up the phone. Right? A lot of times we're taught that it's like, amen, and then we go our way. Nah, we treat that like we just hung up the phone sometimes. Go throughout your day, don't hang up the phone, 
and continually talk to God. Continue that conversation all throughout your day, all right? And watch how prayer is going to strengthen your relationship and bring you closer to God. And then finally, we've got the word. We got read, pray, and finally obey. And we kind of hit on this a little bit uh, earlier, um, but obedience brings us oh, such an incredible closeness to God. It really does. Uh, James chapter four, verse seven through eight says this. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will what? He will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, is what it says. And it says, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Come close to God. So it's possible to come close to God. It's, it's possible to, if it's possible to come close to God, then that means it's possible to be far away from God. Okay? So it's saying to us, come close to God, but how? How do we draw close to God and God draw near to us? Resist sin. Follow God's path of living instead. He says, where does your loyalty lie? Well, your actions will show where your loyalty lies. Jesus told his disciples in the upper room in John 14, 23, if you love me, keep my commands. And as you read, you're going to find ways of living and acting that God deems as righteous or sinful. You're going to see those things, all right? And that's whenever, whenever I was talking about that mirror, you're going to see that. It's going to show you what you look like, and you're going to, have, you're going to be able to, in that moment, walk away and forget about what you saw. Or you can look in that mirror and walk away and say, okay, I'll do what it is that you're telling me to do. That's, that's the obedience part right there. I have never met a person, I've never met a Christian who was close to God and disobedient. Never met him. Do we have our moments of disobedience? Sure. Yeah, man, but, but those are the people who you mess up and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. In that moment, you're like, I'm sorry. In that moment. But I've never met somebody who's living in a habitual sin lifestyle that also feels close to God. You know what I usually hear from those people? I don't feel like God even cares about me. I don't even, I don't even feel, I feel like God's forgotten me. I feel like God's ignoring me. That's what I hear a lot from those people. The people who are reading their scriptures every single day, the people who are praying those three things that, that we were talking about praying, and the people who, who read scripture to seek to be obedient to the Father, those are the people that even in the darkest times feel close to God. Even in the moments where, where unthinkable things happen in your life, your knee-jerk reaction is not, God forgot about me. It's in those moments that those people are like, but God is my foundation. He's my strength. Because they have a closeness with God. A closeness with God doesn't just happen. A closeness with God is something that needs to be developed. And God wants us to be close to him, right? And, uh, and so it's, it's possible to have that. So read, pray, and obey. And it, it really is that simple. Um, whenever I was at my first church, we were in Oklahoma. The year was 2004. Whoa. Y'all remember whenever we were like freaking out about 2000? Some of you probably weren't even born. Anyways. Anyways, 2004, okay. Uh, and uh, we were at a church and um, there was a married couple uh, who 
approached me because they were struggling in their marriage. Um, they told me that the spark was gone. Have you guys ever heard that before? The spark was gone. Um, and they knew uh, that calling it quits was not what God wanted them to do. So um, they wanted some advice. Okay. And so I sat down with them and I asked them a bunch of questions. We talked about a bunch of different things. But one of the things that I learned about them was that uh, their communication was completely off. They didn't really talk to each other anymore. Um, they, they would come home from work. They would sit at the house. One would do one thing. The other would do the other. And that's kind of the routine that they ended up getting. And, uh, and in fact, have you ever been to, and it makes me so sad, and I, I purposefully try not to be this, and, and knowing that it exists helps me to do that. Whenever you go to a restaurant and you're sitting, uh, you know, and you, well, of course you're sitting, unless you're leaving or coming, anyways, but, but you're, you, there are people around you, and have you ever noticed married couples that never say a word to each other? I'm a people watcher. Like, I, I know. I, I, some people call it stalking. I don't, I don't stalk anyone, but I definitely watch people all the time. So when I'm at a restaurant, I'll take notice of those things. In fact, Tamara, every once in a while, I'm like, do you want to go sit with them? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, I'll, but I, just, I will just watch. And it breaks my heart whenever I see like a couple, like usually, I mean, oh, I don't want to say older because they're around my age, but like, you know, a couple that, that as H, but they're, they're not talking to each other and it breaks my heart. And I'm like, man, you really got nothing left? Like you got nothing left to talk about? And that was this couple. Like they would go out to eat and, and they, wouldn't even, they wouldn't even talk to each other. Like, yeah, we tried to date. And I'm like, well, what do you guys talk about? Nothing. We just sit there. And I mean, we're there together, but I mean, really, are they together? It's more like they're alone, right? And, and, and ask them, do you guys know know about each other's struggles anymore? Do you guys know about, you know, what, what the other person is dealing with? And they're like, no, well, of course not, because they're not talking about their needs. They're not talking about their desires. It's probably, when they do, it's probably the desire for the other person to do the right thing, right? You never do this and you never do that. I do know some of her desires and her desires are to kill me, right? That's, that's, that's what some people like, those are the only desires I really know, yeah. And I said, okay, okay, okay. The, here's what I need you guys to do first. First, I need each of you to seek forgiveness from the other person. And then I need you guys to forgive the other person because there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of hurt from all of the things that have been going on and it's distanced you from each other so much that you don't even talk to each other anymore unless you're fighting. And I asked them, was there ever a time in your life when each of you were sacrificing your own needs for the other's needs? Because I knew that wasn't happening anymore. Are you sacrificing your needs for the other's needs? And they're like, yeah, at the beginning. You guys remember those moments? Whenever you're, you know, for those that are married in here, it's like those moments, or if you've been in a relationship, those moments at the very beginning where it's like, you just want to sacrifice for each other, right? And that's what makes that so awesome is because this person is like, sacrificing for you, you're sacrificing for them, right? And that's, that's just a glorious way to live. Well, that's not supposed to stop. And the moment that it does is when you're going to find yourself in trouble. And, I, and you know, and, and so I said, man, 
you're right. You need to start doing that again. You need to start talking to each other. You need to start doing these things. And I told them that the way they were treating one another wouldn't even sustain a friendship, let alone a marriage. But if they will at least be doing these things, I guaranteed that it would bring them closer to each other because that's what they were missing. Guys, and, and I, I say all of this and tell you that story because it's the same with God. It's the same with God. Doesn't it make sense that the more we listen to him, speak to him, open our hearts to him, acknowledge when we messed up, seek forgiveness, striving for his will over our own, which is in return his absolute best for us. Doesn't it make sense that we grow closer to him? Yeah, if it works in our relationships, if it works in our friendships, if it works in our marriages, well, why, why wouldn't it work that way with God? But we, we want our relationship with God to really kind of be a take, take, take relationship a lot of times. You will never be close to God if all you expect is to take. It's going to take some give as well. Growing closer to God is a lifelong journey, meaning that it can be your New Year's resolution every year until you die. Because there will be one day that we're extremely close to God, and we sang about it just a second ago. But for now, we have to struggle with this stupid thing called sin, and I hate it. I hate that we do. But the idea is to struggle less and less and less. We're never going to reach perfection, ever. But we can struggle with it less and less. You know, when it, what's, the, what's the saying? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? One bite at a time. What does that mean? That means that if something seems so big, think of it, you just got to start chunking away at it. And if there's, and I know that whenever we think about our lives and we're like, oh, but there's so much in my life that I need to, that I, that I need to do better at. Well, sure. But if you look at it like that, then you're never going to accomplish it. Pick one thing. Pick two things. What's, a, what's something that you're just super struggling with? Focus in on that thing. Rid yourself of that, right? And then God's going to show you another one. Rid yourself of that. God's going to show you another one. And what you're going to find is that you're growing closer and closer and closer to God. That's where it is. It's really not rocket science. It's not some mystical thing that's in the air that exists called closer to God, right? I mean, we could write a song called, I feel close to God. And we could sing it and we could put a bunch of pads behind it and make it all euphoric and make it sound awesome. And we could say all these things. Guys, that's fake. Like that's not what, that's not where it is. It's not in those moments. It's not in these miracles. It's not in these places. It's right here in the word. We can be close to God, every single one of us. And that's what I'm praying for each and every single one of you guys. That's what I would love for us to pray for each other. And, and I would love for us to pray for ourselves is that we'll be closer to God at the end of 2024 than when we began. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.